going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, join with Matt, as always. And Matt, we're in the uh, the misery days for sure. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, the Yankees win a series against the Mariners. Uh, the Mets struggles continue. NBA draft. The Knicks have some drama we want to go over for sure. Um, but, you know, we, we said it last time. Uh, there was about a month ago, Matt, maybe two months now, uh, everything was sunshine and rainbows in New York sports world. And then, you know, fast forward only a couple weeks and it's like, everyone's mad at the Yankees. Everyone's mad at the Knicks. Everyone's mad at the Mets. Uh, it looks like for, I don't know the last time I've ever said this, but it looks like the only team that everyone's kind of really bullish on is the Jets. I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where that's been the case. So, uh, a lot of stuff to talk about, Matt, as always, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. And yeah, I mean, the Jets, this is kind of like the first step of the Aaron Rodgers experience. I don't know if you saw any clips of him at the uh, at that event where he's kind of just advocating for psychedelics and whatnot. So uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, that was weird. It was it was him. And then like, wasn't there someone else in the Jets that was like somewhat vocal about uh, or who, there was like another player, I think, that was there like with him, like kind of like backing him up. I'm not sure anything about that. I'm not sure. I just yeah, saw I, I, I only saw like the yeah, I only saw like the his quotes or whatever. So I didn't really really see too much into it. But hey, man, if he goes out and wins a ring or you know makes the makes the Jets play some relevant games later on in the season, get in the playoffs, you know, make a name for the Jets and kind of kind of do it, he could take all the psychedelics he wants. That's my stance on that. Yep. <laughs> um, but let's start with before we get into the some deep baseball talk. Well, we're gonna get into some of our. Uh, Trade deadline, kind of very early trade deadline hopes uh, for the Mets and the Yankees. But uh, there's been some stirring in the NBA world, uh, first and foremost, only because it's kind of somewhat related to the Knicks in that uh, they play the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are also in the Eastern Conference. But the Celtics acquire Chris Tapps Porzingis um, from the Washington Wizards and also deal Marcus Smart. I think that's more that's the more interesting one there on, in the, on the Celtics front. But Chris Tapps Porzingis. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, that's going to be a really good team. Not, you know, no surprise, the Celtics have been good. But, um, Matt, what did you think about, I know we've seen Porzingis, you know, it's been a couple years removed now from him, you know, watching him on the Knicks every night, but played well in Washington. Uh, what do you think about that fit there in Boston? And I guess, you know, are you going to be excited to see Porzingis play against the Knicks somewhat more often and I guess more meaningful games than a Wizard game? I wouldn't say I'm excited to see him play against the Knicks, but I didn't really understand the uh, the Knicks fan hesitancy when it came to maybe bringing Porzingis back. I mean, I was I was all for that. Um, I mean, I get it. I, I get kind of that's just kind of the way of fans. So I get it. I was a little bit surprised to see Marcus Smart go. I think that that was kind of the, you know, he like uh, Peter Rosenberg was saying yesterday. He's he's kind of like a heart and soul sort of a, a cornerstone kind of guy for Boston. The trade that really, and I, I kind of want you to walk me through this because you would understand NBA value better than I would. How does Chris Paul go for what Chris Paul goes for? So that one was interesting because Chris, because the they were going to waive him anyway, right? So I, I was confused why it really kind of baffles me, and I think the kind of understanding across the league was that you know it, it's kind of just a scenario of two people that just kind of wanted to you know, swap places. Uh, the contracts somewhat lined up. Um, they, you know, the, I think the Warriors kind of looked at themselves right after the postseason and they had a choice to make. 
It was either, you know, we can kind of focus on the, the Jordan Poole younger core guys, or we can, you know, uh, we can stay, uh, stay the course, stay with the Currys and the Draymonds and the Clay Thompson core and just add to that. And I think that, you know, I might be in the minority here, but, you know, in the right role, you, you envision an offense with the Warriors where, you know, Chris Paul's dishing out to, you know, two of the greatest shooters ever. Uh, and then you got Draymond Green where, uh, you know, he, you don't really need in, in previous times. It was, you know, the, the Warriors death lineup was when Draymond's at the five and just distributing to all the shooters. You know, you get a guy like Chris Paul, obviously, uh, you know, Draymond's a good passer, but Chris Paul's an all-time facilitator. Uh, you get that in an offense like that with the mind of Steve Kerr. Um, I think it, I thought it's I think it's a good move. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what ancillary moves they make there. Um, and then as for the the Jordan Poole, uh, you know, good for him. Like he was he, he got to play behind Steph Curry. He got a great organization to, you know, kind of learn behind, I guess you can say. Um but I think I think in, in in the reality of it, maybe it looks like the Wizards like kind of fleece the Warriors. But you know, I don't know how many teams really wanted to take on a guy like Chris Paul or had a spot for you know a you know late thirties point guard, right? And in in the Warriors, not many teams are kind of facing the looking themselves in the mirror and saying you know we want to get older or we want to solidify our core. And I think that the Warriors kind of did that with that trade. Um, but back to the Porzingis one, real quick. Um, I think it's a great fit. Personally, I think that, uh, you know, with the Porzingis is not much of a defender and obviously they brought him in for more of a uh, offensive oriented uh, kind of mindset. But I think, you know, having got, you know, the length of a starting five of, you know, let's fill in, you know, any random point guard you want to put in, put on that team with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Porzingis and Robert Williams. Or you might not even need a point guard. You could probably put Al Horford at the five. <laughs> And you just have length everywhere, and you can kind of switch everywhere. I, th- I think it's going to be a good move for the uh, for the Celtics for sure. Um, but they lose Marcus Smart. Uh, Marcus Smart said that he was kind of stunned by the trade, and I think a lot of a lot of Celtics fans, and you know, some I only know a few real Celtics fans personally. Uh, just speaking to them, they were kind of taken back by it. But it's a tough business, right? Uh, he goes to kind of a an interesting scenario in uh, Memphis where. Obviously, all the John Morant news, Dylan Brooks. We, it's just going to be a nuisance of a team. Very, like, uh, 90s Pistons-like. You know, like, they're just going to be that thorn in the side that is going to be – they're going to be in the, the big games just because of the nature of the way they play. Um, so, you know, I, there's there's been a couple moves so far. Obviously, the Bradley Beal move. Um, I, that's – it's kind of crazy to think, but, like, looking at the, the haul of picks that the Suns gave up to get Bradley Beal and – you know, thinking about the Suns at the end of last year, their problem was that they they needed deeper rotation guys. Like their their starting five was good. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Aiton, uh, Kevin Durant obviously were were great. But then you know you need some bench pieces, and I think of it's kind of crazy to say, but of all the moves that have happened, the, the big moves that have happened so far, the Bradley Beal to the Suns is like I'm kind of questioning it because it's like they're just. Obviously, Bradley Beal, much different, better player than Chris Paul, but like they're kind of doubling down on, you know, we have the best starting five in basketball, but, you know, our six through eight or six through nine is is going to be going to be rough right now. So uh, to be seen there, um, let's circle back to the Knicks real quick, uh, just before obviously before some baseball. Um, the Knicks last night draft uh, Obi Top or they take Obi Toppin's brother um, amidst all of the Obi Toppin 
uh, drama that has unfolded. And, and Matt, we were talking about it before in like a little, you know, pre-show kind of huddle, we'll call it. Um, and, you know, how do you see this? Like, do you, where are you, uh, let me, let me, let me back, take a step back. What do you think of Obi as like a player for this Knicks team overall? I like Obi a lot. Do you, do you think he's like, obviously the, the, the whole conundrum is that he plays a, the similar position as Randall and, you know, it doesn't look like Randall's going anywhere. Um, but do you think like, obviously there's, there's a reason why Thibs doesn't play him, right? This is what I'm trying to get to. And I, I mean, I don't really see it. I think Obi's great as well, but, um, you know, all the, there was a clip that came out this week that, um, that was like some leaked audio from some Twitter space that was after one of the playoff games. Did you hear it? Um, yeah, there's, I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, but you can, you can kind of like very, very like, it's like very faint in the back. It's, it's a real like leak, but it's like pretty, you could tell it, what it is. Like it's a, you know, the timelines add up and whatnot. It's pretty, pretty uh, confirmed at this point, but Obi Toppin, Tom Thibodeau kind of pretty much essentially recorded um, without knowing after having, or in the midst of a verbal altercation, after one of the playoff games, uh, reports say that Obi had to be like, you know, restrained by teammates and such, uh, arguing about playing time. And it's it just kind of it's ever since Obi's gotten here, I feel like it's been a they've had, again, they've had Julius Randle. So Obi's been it's kind of been a, a no place for him. And uh, so, you know, it's tough because I like I said, or like, and just like you said, I think Obi's going to be a, a good player. And he's just screams of, you know, if he goes somewhere else, he's going to be great. Yeah. You know, not like not like all time, but he'll be a great NBA, solid NBA player. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, all signs were pointing to, uh, I believe, Ian Begley uh, uh, tweeted that the Knicks were working to try and find like a trade partner for OB to get in some like a better scenario for himself. Um, and then they the Knicks last night go and draft OB's brother. So. Yeah, I guess with the Knicks, I guess that's the thing. He's really he, he's best fit for you off the bench. And obviously that doesn't fly for Well, it doesn't fly for him. I feel like, like, I think that, That's you know, I mean, and yeah. It, it's, yeah, yeah. Like, well, it, I guess you can also say that it doesn't fly for the Knicks cause they just weren't doing it. You know, they, it was either, you know, he was either playing a uh, very, very limited, you know, eight, nine role off the bench, or he was just starting for, for an injury. Right. We've seen yeah, when Julius Randle had to sit, Obi comes in and he played great. Like, I think if Obi, you know, Obi's probably at the point of his career where he's looking at himself in the mirror and saying, like, I don't want to be buried behind Julius Randle, who's only, what, like 27, 28 years old. Right. I want to kind of get my own spot to start for, and I want to have to wait for Julius Randle's contract to be up to start. I want to kind of prove myself now because essentially, if, by doing that, you're kind of losing yourself some money, uh, you know, in the, the getting really blown with it. Um, but. It's it just interesting. You know, I, I think the Knicks are in a good spot. Uh, obviously, last year they kind of uh, outkicked their coverage, I guess. Uh, they kind of they were the little darling of the uh, NBA playoffs for a short bit there. Um, and I think they're still in a good spot with or without Obi. Um, you know, ideally, I'd like to see Obi on the court for the Knicks, but uh, remains to be seen. Um, I'm trying not to trying. I'm, I, I know what's coming up here with the Yankees and the Met talk and how miserable we are with that. So I'm trying to keep like everything else in like a positive sense. So I don't want to kind of harp on, you know, how ridiculous it is that they draft his brother when they're the coach and the, the, his older brother literally can't get along. Uh, you said that they were, you saw something that their agent was like 
uh, in cahoots with the front office or something like that. Yeah, uh, Obi Toppin's brother Jacob Toppin, his um, his agent is uh, Sam Rose, I think his name is, and that would be Leon Rose's uh, son. Okay, uh, well that, then that makes sense. Then I would no, I wonder. This is again, this is a baseless claim. This is I don't want to be quoted on this, but I wonder if like you know prior to the draft because this was all of this drama stuff came out you know maybe earlier in the week. I wonder if they kind of had a, a meeting together and kind of said like. How do we get you to stay and how do we get you to be happy? And Obi said, get my brother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, or or they're just like, I mean, if we're going to have to part with Obi Toppin, might as well just bring in another. Yeah, bring in another Toppin. Top that. How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Remains to be seen. Long off season. The NBA is always good for, you know, some trade out of right field. There's been three already this week that I don't think anyone really expected. Um, so I think that's that honestly what they do best. Yesterday, just like at the conclude of the draft, is that when you're free to sign players out of college? Because I guess the Knicks, the Knicks didn't have a pick, right? So then I guess right after the draft, they were free to just go ahead and uh, and sign Jacob Toppin. Yeah, so so I, I think uh, – I'm not sure. Did the Knicks have a second-round pick yesterday? They, they might have had a second-round pick. I thought they didn't have a pick, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, I have to double check that because all I saw this morning, I honestly, I was not watching the draft. It is uh, total aside. The NBA draft is is a, a shit show, to be honest. I, I like the NFL draft is one thing. I'm not, I just don't think I'm a really big draft guy. No, I'm not either. As, as a whole, like it's like it's kind of just been whatever now. Like we with all the reporting and stuff, like we just kind of know what's going to happen most of the time, and like know where you know what teams need, and it's been broken down to such a fine powder by draft night that it's like not that exciting. Yeah. Um, the lottery Personally, is the, that's the ticket for the NBA. That's, that's the, lo- the, the lottery is great. Yeah. Yeah. The lottery is great. Uh, I think that's, especially this year when you have a guy like Wembenyama, who's, you know, the clear yeah. cut number one that like, you know, you get the second pick in the NBA draft. And even if it's, you know, you had a 2% chance to get the second pick and you get the second pick, you're pissed because <laughs> you got the second pick. Yep. Um, but I, I think, you know, after the NBA draft, teams are open to sign, uh, anyone that is that was eligible for the draft. Uh, and what's interesting now in the NBA is with like the whole G League and whatnot that you can kind of get drafted out of the G League. Um, I'm always more interested in maybe just like my what I like play style wise in basketball, but I'm always interested in like people from, you know, the, the Serbian players, the the, the Lukas, the, the Jokic's, the, the guys that go like later that, you know, it's funny because you'll see like, you know, Matt McFeely, Kentucky, Univer- uh, Kentucky University, player of the year in high school, uh, national championship in, in college. And it's like, OK, ho-hum. But then, like, you see, like, these guys from, like, France and, and uh, you know, Spain that are, you know, FIBA MVP four years in a row. Yeah. Like, what do you mean four years in a row? No one <laughs> thought that this guy was going to be good in the NBA and his third MVP. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's just crazy to see sometimes. And there's always, like... So, like Wembenyama obviously is is a is a godsend, uh, you know, allegedly, apparently, um, will will remain to be seen. But he's one of those guys that is just like you know we've known that he's gonna be this pick for like three years now. Yep. Like you know, it's not, and I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying about the the draft being like kind of watered down there. But um, you know, NBA still a ways away. Got to get got to get to football first. Um, and unfortunately, uh, this is how I'm going to transition to baseball. Unfortunately, we have to get through some baseball first. And 
Uh, I believe Frank the Tank himself said it best. The June <laughs> swoon is on, not just for the Mets, but the Yankees as well. Um, we'll start here with the Mets. I'll let you let you say your piece. Um, I've I've watched you know some that they had mercifully had an off day yesterday. The Mets, um, but it's just just bad baseball all around New York. So uh, I'll let you I'll let you say your piece on on the Mets' current status. Yeah, well, it was it was beautiful last night not having a Mets game. Um, I mean, coming home from work and just being like, oh, my God, I could just do something else. What a feeling. <laughs> um, so I, I was in Houston for uh, game one. I was lucky to actually get to a good game because uh, the two after that weren't. I threw uh, these two. I don't even know if they're stats. They're more just facts um, about the Mets. They have lost 11 games when scoring six or more runs. So all that fun we had saying, well, you know, the bullpen's not really even the problem. It's this and it's that. Now it's everything and the and the bullpen is just sticking out like a sore thumb. Like, like we knew it eventually would. Um, 74 games in, that's a lot of games to lose, um, uh, you know, 11 when you're putting up six or more runs. I mean, two days ago, they put up eight and they lose 10 to eight. Um, you know, because the likes of, uh, Hartwig and Walker and, uh, Dominic, the donkey Leone, just, it's, it's pitiful to watch. It really is. If your starter doesn't give you seven, you really have no shot. And then you don't even really have two decent options out of the bullpen. I, like I always say, I still like out but it's really like a 50, 50. If he goes out there for an eighth inning and you have a one run lead, there's a good chance you're going to drop that lead. And it's happened time and time again. Um, they're an awful team. There's three teams than them with worse records in the National League. That would be Colorado, that would be the Nationals, and the Cardinals, all of which have a winning record head-to-head versus the Mets. How is that possible? It's 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 crazy, and I think you know the in regards to the bullpen. It's the bullpen is one of those things like you know hitting can can obviously slow down get better get hot the bullpen honestly especially if you don't have like elite bullpen guys it's very rare you see a bullpen just like totally turn it around or guys in the bullpen like totally turn it around because yeah. you'll start seeing like fatigue and like yep. you said when you get you get four innings from your pitcher and your bullpen has to go the the remaining five every, almost every single night you're gonna fatigue quicker than other teams and. You know, when you don't have the talent on top of the, the you know, the the nature of fatigue, the natural, you know, every team gets it. Um, that's not a good combination ever. And I think that that's what the Mets find themselves in. And, you know, I want to I want to ask you kind of uh, your thoughts on Buck. But when I say that, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily mean like calling for his job. I don't think the Mets are I don't think that that would happen this year. I think, you know, if the Mets don't make the playoffs, obviously, I think oh, he'd get fired the next day. Um, but you know what? A lot of Mets fans I see mad about some of his post game press conferences, mad about some of his bullpen usage. I personally lend you know the bullpen stuff to just having a bad bullpen. Yes, you know you can only you only have so many buttons to choose, and if if nine of them are are, are red buttons and one of them is a green button every night, most of the time you're going to click a red button. You know what I mean? So you know what are where are you at with Buck? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely the the post games are tough to watch, um, but you kind of get that from most managers when when things aren't going well, especially when things were supposed to go well. Um, so yeah, to hear Bucks say, "Well, you know, the guys are confident," it it kind of 
it brings you back to like the we're battling of uh you know the Mickey Calloway days and whatnot. You don't like to hear it, but like you said, uh, I'm not calling for his job or anything because really, there. What's the other option? You're you're gonna just bring in you know an Aaron Boone type, or it's gonna be Beltron, or it's gonna be. This is a guy who just won Manager of the Year, and I think when you look at all the issues with the Mets, like you said, how are you supposed to manage a bullpen when you don't have one? Every issue with the Mets, you can really just point to the way that that the team was built. So I, I mean, I have a tough time getting on Buck, but yeah, definitely post game, it's a little frustrating when it's time to panic and I, I have to, you know, hear that. Uh, oh well, they really believe in themselves. Great. Yeah, like yeah, like they better. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah, yeah, I always great. liken it to like my my parents, right? Growing up, and you know, I I, I was always a good student, whatever, but. Like I would always, I'd always have friends that like, you know, their parents would give them, you know, 50 bucks for straight A's, 20 bucks for straight A's, like even like elementary school, whatever. And like, I would always like be like, mom, like, why don't you guys do that? And it's like, because you're supposed to be getting straight A's. Like you're, that's what you're supposed to do. I don't want to reward you for what you're supposed to do. So I feel like kind of liking it back to Buck is, you know, are you, you're, you're praising a guy for doing what they're supposed to be doing? Like, yeah, cool. They care. Cool. They're trying to get better. It's just not happening, though. Like, they're that, is that you know, that's what they're supposed to like, do. Is that like a psychological thing that your parents ran their household like Nazi Germany as yeah, a Jewish family? Uh, tied, tied back, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's just I always, I always think it's a, it's a good lesson to to have. Like, you know, you shouldn't be rewarded for what you should do. You yeah. should be doing anyway. Like, you, like Buck is, Buck is there to 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 make sure that they're. Is Buck there to make sure that they're all their head is in the game, or is he there to win games? Yeah, you, you know remember, what I mean. Like, you remember last time we talked about the Mets, and I and we kind of just, I just kind of started rambling about like, well, how does this thing get better? And I go, well, if this guy figures it out, and then if that guy figures it out, and then if this happens, and then and then we kind of just realize like, there's always an, like an and and a but always because there's just so many issues. There's so many negatives that even when some of them turn positive, they're still just so outweighed. Like we just saw Scherzer and Verlander go back to back. They both pitched pretty well. Verlander's pitched well his last few times out there. And, you know, we, we've always been saying, well, if they're going to do anything, those guys have to be right. And, you know, Scherzer was brilliant the night that I was there. And it's like, it, so what? You, if your bullpen's still going to give up seven runs a night, what does it matter? Yeah. No, you're right. And and maybe I'm looking at, I'm just looking at some numbers now while, uh, you know, Met, Met statistics. Maybe they all need the the Vogelback mental rest, because since coming back from that mental rest, Vogelback hitting four twelve and and one two OPS. <laughs> so yeah. maybe yeah. maybe they just need to say, you know what, we're gonna take this week off. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. team. We're just gonna concede the three games. Let's just all just do nothing. Take it all. <laughs> need a mental break. Um, might benefit them. Uh, as far as you know, come schedule coming up. Uh, you, you play the Phillies yeah, this weekend, which you've had the, today. you've had the Phillies number, but you know, going to Philly against a, a team that much like the Mets, again, better record than the Mets, but much like the Mets is, is, you know, performing under expectations. You get a team at home in a division game. And, you know, this is a, this could be, I don't want to say like a make or break series, but if either team gets a sweep here, the tenor of the season right now kind of changes, right? Uh, Well, I guess so. I guess these are kind of the these are the types of series that where it's kind of you better start winning them like Phillies here 
Brewers next. You kind of run into a tough one with San Francisco after, but I think they're beatable. But I mean, like I said, this is the fourth worst team in the National League. It's the worst team money can buy. Um, I I think the Phillies are a better team than the Mets. I think Milwaukee's a better team than the Mets. I I, I don't know. I just until after the deadline, I really I, I don't have any any faith that this that the, my tenor is going to change around the team whatsoever. Yeah, well, the uh, the it's some positive notes for the Mets. We'll, we'll try and fit some in. Um, the Phillies just lost two straight to the Braves. I actually watched the game, the Phillies Braves game yesterday, zero zero into the ninth. They end up losing five to one uh, in a, in a miraculous way. It was kind of crazy. Did it um, end in nine they, innings? No, it, it went uh, it went ten, and the Braves oh. scored the Braves scored five in the tenth inning. It was uh, it was it was rough. Um, but so maybe the Mets get them on like kind of uh, there. You could take that two ways. You could take like oh well, the the Braves just kicked the Phillies while they were down, or maybe the the Phillies come in with a little bit more of a vengeance to this series. So. Uh, take that how you might. Um, the Mets' upcoming schedule after the Phillies. Uh, I'll get that up in a second. But, uh, again, 7 o'clock tonight. Who's on the hill for the Mets? Uh, Kodai Senga against, oh, Met legend Taiwan Walker going against the Mets tonight. So he's oh, good nice. for six shutty tonight. Um, um, tomorrow we got a big uh, big cookie day. Can't big wait. Big cookie day. So, so, honestly, Senga, I'll be honest. I think I've liked what I've seen from him. He's run. He's, again, it's like. Pitching when you have, again, no bullpen and your offense is not doing anything has got to be one of the more tough things to do in all sports because you have to be perfect. And I think that sometimes the starting pitching for the Mets is running into that problem. Yeah. Uh, a quick note on the Mets. Uh, last time we spoke, I also said that they had to move to a six-man rotation, um, which probably would fit better once you get Quintana back and once you uh, are able to add a pitcher, probably via the trade deadline. But uh, yesterday they optioned McGill to AAA Syracuse. Uh, he's he's been dreadful his last couple times out. McGill's a, a pitcher who's he's gone on long stretches of like pitching really good ball for a while, um, he, but he, he's not been good this season. So he's down. I don't really know. I, I don't know who takes that spot for now. Because I mean, you're gonna still pitch Carrasco every fifth day. I don't really know who fills that spot, especially when you're trying to give Senga extra rest. Um, so, and I, I think it remains to be seen. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not really that familiar with the, the pitching pipeline of the Mets. I, again, I, I think I've, they've exhausted a lot of their resources as far as uh, the farm is the immediate farm is concerned. Yep. Um, so you're right. Very tough. Uh, going to be some tough times for the Mets there. And I, I kind of don't want to harp on it, but to kind of make this, this upcoming series and the next series even bigger, you have three against the Phillies. In Philly, then you have four against the Braves. Yeah, you, then you start a homestand. You got four against the the Brewers. Sorry, not the Braves. Uh, four against the Brewers, and then you have the sorry, I just lost it. And then you have three against the Giants, both at home. And then this is where it gets this gets rough. The Mets go on a in the starting on July fourth. The Mets go on a West Coast trip. Let me read you these games. This this is gonna get rough early. Diamondbacks. In Arizona, three. Dimebacks are a great team this year, 46-30. and 30. Then you have the Padres in San Diego. Obviously, they're underperforming as well, but I don't think any pitcher or pitching staff wants to face Machado, Soto, and that whole squad over there. Then you play the Dodgers, and then you come home for the Mets in the – or you come home for the White Sox back to city in the middle of July where – 
you're facing, you know, half of July, the front half of July is probably the toughest schedule in baseball, I'd guess. Yeah, that that stretch right there, that's that's probably going to be like the make or break. It's either you yeah. find a way to go on a run there or by the by mid July it's it's no longer going to be salvageable no matter what you do on August 1st. Yeah, I, and and then obviously we'll, we'll get into this in a bit, but um we we have some I guess trade deadline uh wish lists. Um, if you have yours ready, we can, we can let you want to do Mets, the Mets trade deadline, uh, wish list now while we're on the Mets before we move over to the Yankee side. Yeah, let's do it. I have, uh, I have four players that, um, are on my trade deadline wish list for the Mets. I kind of tried to, I tried to just think of what would make the most sense here. Um, I, I didn't just try to go crazy with, uh, just, just trying to pick the most talented players I could. How should I present this? So give me the give me the player's name, and then I'm gonna you know just so I'm not I'm not gonna look it up or anything, but just off the top of my head, I'm going to um try and figure out like why you would what what All you're right. thinking is what will make the Mets better and why. Yep. So I mean, we called this a wish list. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't just start out and say Shohei Otani. Um, I mean, uh, very obvious. Yeah, he um, saw he saw two I'll, problems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he'll. My problem is that you know he, I, the Angels are just better than the Mets. So for for them to trade for for him now would, yeah. I think, not only take you know maybe even double the price and then have to sign him uh, eventually. But, um, yeah, I yep, I think that you know I, I, I think it's pretty obvious there. But I don't, I can't see it happening. Yeah, yeah no, I couldn't uh, not include it though. My second one here is interesting. I think. Uh, this is a really cheap, affordable fix for your bullpen. Um, it should kind of be an obvious target. Uh, this is a this is a guy who's on a disastrous team right now. Maybe not as disastrous as the Mets. Um, this would be everyone's favorite relief pitcher, Joe Kelly. I like it. I really, I'm I'm a Joe Kelly fan. I think I like I, I like I've seen him pitch uh, when he was on the Red Sox. Got into the uh, the fight with. Um, uh, Tyler Austin. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you remember that, that was pretty crazy. You know, he's Pitches still averaging. Uh, he's still averaging a punch out per inning, and he's been around. He, I, I think he's good. I think he's he's on the White Sox now. I believe is that yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah. So he. Uh, yeah, I, I've I saw him pitch against the Yankees. Um, whenever they 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 played the Whites pretty recently, I feel like he's. I think he's he's a, he's great. He's a veteran presence there, and he's he's better than what you got. I, I and again, I think you know, given his age and his stature in the league, um, I think you're right. Definitely wouldn't wouldn't cost an arm and a leg. Yep. Uh, this next player, he's he's actually been uh, sort of a Mets killer the last season or two. Uh, he resides in St. Louis. This would be one Tyler O'Neill, who's maybe not having his best season right now, but. I think just he's an athlete. I think he's. I think he's a, kind of a piece in the Mets lineup that they don't really have right now. Um, I, I've, I mean, if you can throw him in there instead of a, a Mark Hanna or a Tommy Pham every now and then, um, you know, I, I think he's got some electricity. I like him. Uh, that would be kind of my. That, I mean, it, not a lot of power. I always say the Mets need some power, but. Tyler O'Neill was kind of he just stuck out to me as he's just on a terrible team and I I, I think it would be a good pickup. I think so too, and I think that uh, again I, I've seen what the Yankees have done trading with the Cardinals for Bader. Uh, I think they they have the the Cardinals are definitely going to be looking 
maybe not Arenado, maybe not Goldschmidt, but they'll definitely be looking to sell off some of their, you know, movable pieces, we'll say. Uh, look to retool in the offseason. I, I think that would be a good move. However, you know, I, I did just say that they're probably not going to trade him, but you want to make the big splash. You want to make uh, some real rumblings in the NL, and you want to make a, you know, add a super power bat. Why don't you call the Cardinals a bad Arenado? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Like, um, would you like? Let me ask you this. This is obviously uh, we we said realistic, kind of getting a little more unrealistic here. But if if the the Cardinals said, yeah, we'll give you Arenado, just give us you know Beatty and Vientos back, and, and you know maybe and then some. What what say you? Yeah, I think you have to. Right. Yeah. How do you not? Um, yeah, that, I, I, have, I agree. I have especially one, with that payroll. I have one more that you're gonna love, but I also want to throw in a quick bonus one. This is just this kind of maybe helps solve the power problem a little bit. He's not going to hit for a, a you know a great average anything like that. I wouldn't mind bringing in a Jock Peterson. Um, you know he's kind of on my Yankees every now and then, but yeah, I mean he I actually think he'd be a better fit with the Yankees. But I would like Jock Peterson. My last one, I want you to guess it. I'll give you slight hints because I think you're going to like this one. Okay. Um, I'll just start off. He's having a, a quite a resurgent season at the moment. There's one problem with this player. Uh, I think I know it already. Can I guess? Yeah. Is it Eduardo Rodriguez? It's not. There's one oh, okay. problem with this player and maybe his fit with the Mets that that might blow up in <laughs> flames. But I still would like to take a flyer on him as it's just a huge need at the moment. Wow. Okay. So... Huge need. Just think resurgent season. Thus far, mm. this is a is. Let me let me. Is it a pitcher? It is a pitcher. Okay, resurgent season. So I'm gonna I'm I'm thinking along the lines of like an older starting pitcher that is just having a good year this year. He's randomly not a starting again. pitcher. A relief pitcher. Okay. So I did notice that I sort of neglected starting pitching, but. You know, this is just my top four on my list here. Yeah. Um, not sure. Hit me. Uh, this would be one Araldis Chapman. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, like if I get to see Araldis Chapman over Brooks Raley, I'm happy with it. He's having a good season. Um, it would be a quick rental. He's He's got a ton of playoff experience. Um, and, you know, the one issue I, we have here is it, I don't really know that I don't know that we put him in that category of like can't hack it in New York because he did for a while. Like it's I was not like ask he was that. always a bum, but for some reason it wasn't working with the Yankees anymore. But um yeah, I mean I would take a flyer um on a rental of Araldis Chapman. Because it can't hurt. I'll 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 say I, I kind of agree and I don't hate that either. Um I'll say this though, the Mets that would be so Mets because they just love to build their bullpen with Yankee retreads. It's their favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it's just, they, they think that that is the formula. <laughs> yep. Or maybe they just like, they tell like they like what the Yankees do and they're just like, they don't do well, it quicker. Probably like, and they how the hell do they do in. that with their bullpen? Let's, yeah, just, let's just keep bringing bring the same guys in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the only, the only one that I, you know, off the top of my head that I think I brought up to you, which, uh, kind of is getting unrealistic with them catching some fire, and actually a game that I, I kind of really want to watch today. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds—I uh, can't even pronounce his first name—but Edwin Diaz's brother, I think it's Almedes yeah, Diaz. Yeah. Yep. I think that would be a, a home run for them because yep. I think for this season you could 
You can put David Roberts in the eighth inning, slide down everyone, make him the closer, and then when Edwin Diaz gets back next year, not only is it just a cool thing to have, you know, two brothers on the same team that are just very good at baseball, but next year you're going to a, a, a going to the season with a bullpen of Ottavino, Robertson, and the Diaz brothers. That's a that's a dangerous bullpen now. Yeah, right. Doesn't it seem like it could be a quick fix? Because Robertson's yeah. going to be here next year. I think it was a, a two year deal that they uh, that he inked with the Mets. You bring in both Diaz's, you get one more stud in the bullpen, and all of a sudden, like you fixed it. But- yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. And the only thing is, I I, I kind of just hinted at this, but. The Reds are a fun, fun team to watch, and I, I don't know how much they're going to be. I think, like kind of just like we said about the Mets, the next couple of weeks or so for a lot of teams is going to determine their uh, what they do at the trade deadline. Because um, I think the the Reds have won what ten or eleven in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're home against the Braves today against a rookie. I think a rookie pitcher for the Braves. If they beat the Braves today, they're really rolling. Um, and not that you know, not that eleven in a row isn't rolling, but. You know what I mean? So uh, it's going to be I think if you're a uh, if you're a Met fan and you, you kind of want some pieces from teams, you can kind of start looking at some teams and start rooting against them. A la the Marlins, the Reds, uh, like you said, it, obviously some teams you don't have to root against like the White Sox and such. But, uh, you know, some of those mid teams that if, if you think the Mets are going to buy, you can kind of start rooting against them. This at this time of the year, so yeah, uh, the maybe Mets don't even help the their own today. case because, like I said, they lose to all the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, well, the 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 whole the, the ironic part about this whole conversation is the Mets might end up being the sellers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. they might end up selling guys like Marte and yeah. and the, it, the those guys. If Mark Steve Hanna, Cohen you know wasn't I mean? stubborn, like they would obviously be sellers. Yeah, it, it, I so I kind of feel the same way about the uh, the Yankees sometimes too. Like they're like uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but sometimes it, I'm just like, wouldn't it just benefit you just one year, just like sell off and get a couple prospects for so-and-so yeah. a couple prospects here like just you know every once in a while um but uh don't hate and i think all of those guys make sense i actually you know the more i think about it i kind of like jock peterson there uh with the mets another power bat with with pete alonzo um and yeah. i think that you know obviously not a no defensive prowess but i think his his offense really makes up for you know, a guy like, you know, Mark Hanna has been okay this season, but he, Jock Peterson's a, a great piece to have. I believe he's a, is he a switch hitter or, or is he only bat lefty? I think he Jack only bats Peterson's lefty. a lefty. Lefty, yeah. So yeah. Uh, lefty never hurts. I'm always a big proponent of having, you know, more lefties than, you know, the more lefties, the better, in my opinion. Is, yeah. Especially in today's uh, MLB. Back, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not too invested hey. in what he's done the last week or so, but that would kind of just, be a just straight keep, up. Just do every – you got to handle Vogel back like this. Every week, you let him play, and then the next week, you let him sit. And then yeah. the next week, you let him play, and the next week, you let, let him sit, and then you got you find yourself with a 400 hitter every other week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll wrap up my list. But um, I am excited to listen to you talk about the Yankees here because they played an outstanding game last night. Really, uh, they closed out the series in a big way. They played some really outstanding fundamental baseball. The starting pitching was outstanding. Yeah, Domingo brought his A plus stuff last night. <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard um on a show this morning that he's the he's the third Yankee ever to give up ten runs and also four home runs in a game. It was a home run derby last night, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, I thought um, yes was just and, airing their batting practice for some reason. <laughs> they honestly they might have gotten more views at the end of the game. Yeah. Actually, the, the greatest thing ever was uh IKF comes in to pitch 
right? The Yankees lose 10-2, win the series against the Mariners. Yeah, that's the thing. They cool. won the series. So, like, unlike the Mets, yeah. it's like you can point and make fun all you want. They had a right to lose that game. Yeah, well, and the Yankees love the idea of, like, the the cheap ways out, I'll call it. Like, you know, if the Yankees have an off day on the next day and they won the first two games of a series, that third game is an absolute punt lineup almost 100% of the time. It's like their favorite thing to do. Yep. And not saying they did that because right now the, the Yankees lineup is just always a punt lineup right now. But um, I'll, I'll say this. As far as last night, a um, couple things. They were doomed from the beginning. And when I explain it, you'll agree with me because Phil Cuzzy, the umpire, was one of the umpires last night. If you remember correctly, Phil Cuzzy was the one that threw Domingo out of the game for the sticky stuff. So traditional thinking would just say if you're Domingo Herman and you don't even want to risk even in the slightest bit that this guy's going to be out to hunt you and, and get you out of the game and spend you 50 games, you know what I mean, for the, the second offense – he Domingo probably went out there last night with nothing on his hands. They probably didn't use a lick of rosin. Didn't use a lick of, you know, whatever they use. And that's probably, I don't want to make excuses for the guy. He pitched like shit, but they were doomed from the beginning of that game because it was, you know, all eyes were on Domingo's hand essentially in yeah. that game. So uh, on top of what I just said about the, the whole punt lineup thing, but let's back up for a second um, earlier this week. Uh, obviously amidst some struggles, Aaron Judge out. Uh, they actually said that there was like a breakthrough, quote-unquote, in Judge's rehab um, as far as like uh, I think now he's he's progressed to doing like underwater work with his toe. Um, he's not coming back to the after the All-Star break. That's, I don't even want to you know, waste my time explaining it. If, he's only, if he can only walk in a pool right now or only you know, do you know, run, run in a pool or run in like very minimal contact situations – He's not playing in the next two weeks at, at the least. Um, so I'll just get that out of the way. Um, Hal Steinbrenner goes on the Michael K show earlier in the week and just kind of addresses some of the, you know, the notion of like, you know, why, why is this happening? Why, what's like, what's going on here? Are, like I, all the Yankee fans are always like, oh, he's not his dad. He's not this, da, da, da. Like I get it. And, and I, I definitely understand it. And, some of the questions he answered very well. Some of the questions he answered kind of questionably. Um, and I'll focus on a couple here. Uh, I'm a fan when of him, by the way. I like him. I, I can respect someone, regardless of how it is. I can respect, especially when you're you know, a, a multi-millionaire, maybe even a billionaire, uh, that just faces, you know, faces the criticism kind of head on and kind of speaks to the audience head on. I can respect that. But I think there's some things that he said that were a little concerning. Um, the first thing I thought was, you know, he kind of tripled, quadrupled, quintupled down on backing up Josh Donaldson and backing up Anthony Volpe. And, and I'll say this. I think it's a good thing to, to back up your guys, right, especially when they're young, especially when it's Volpe, especially when you're trying to build a – you know, build a uh, – you want to fit someone into an organization. You don't want to, you know – Judges the organization, right? But you want to fit Anthony Volpe into that. You don't want to fit the organization around Volpe. It's a little bit of a different dynamic than what they did with Judge. Um, but I think sometimes the Yankees step on their own toes. And, and let me explain why. Like, he – a big rhetoric around Volpe is now was like, all right, well, like, why wouldn't you set him down? Like, you know, just let him go fix his swing. We're trying to win a championship here. Like, why – what's what's holding you back? Just because, like, his you think his moral is going to – morale is going to go down? Like – 
that's that's not a good enough excuse for me. And they'll they'll double down and say, like, you know, we don't think that's the best route. We don't think that's the best route. But Oswaldo Cabrera, who they literally started in the playoffs, Oswaldo Oswald Peraza, who literally started in the playoffs, constantly send up and down Cabrera, refused to call up Peraza, and it's like, okay, so Volpe can come up here and hit, you know, sub can hit two hundred on a good day, and can put out a couple home runs, and you don't, you know, that's okay. But a guy that you'll start in the playoff, two guys you're starting the playoffs can barely sniff playing time. That's stepping on your own toes, in my opinion. And I think that the Yankees find themselves doing that way too often with their, especially their young like position players. They just baby them. It's crazy. You, know, you look back to Andujar. I have my own thoughts on Clint Frazier, but you know, there's just so many stories where they they just like you know everyone's like so hyped up on these prospects and every you know everyone's like oh wow the Yankees just called up you know their top ten prospect in the organization or whatever, and then he goes down the next week. But then for whatever reason, and I, obviously the reason is they believe in him, but they just it's not even on the table for Volpe. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, I kind of think that those comments by Hal. Uh, more so in the Donaldson case, but also Volpe. I think you take it with a grain of salt just because, like you said, I mean, do you really want to start kicking Volpe down, you know, in his rookie season? No. But when it comes to Donaldson, he said verbatim when they asked about maybe, you know, getting rid of Donaldson, they said, we haven't even thought about it. Now, I know that that's not true. So I, I just feel like what are you going to do? Sit there and bag on Donaldson while he's still a Yankee? So, like I said, I would just take it with a grain of salt because to say that you haven't thought about a Josh Donaldson solution, you're lying, which is fine. I mean, yeah. it's probably the right thing to do there. It's the right way to take the question, but. Yeah, and, and I, obviously, like, to a point, you want to, you kind of want to say things that the players will like, but, you know, when the guys, especially Josh Donaldson, you know, Anthony Volpe is one thing. He's young. I think a lot of people expected him to have some growing pains, and he, you know he doesn't make a lot of money. He's not a, he's not a hamper on the you know the overall you know build of the team. If you if you have to send him down, it's you know it's really not a big sweat. Yeah, especially because you, you have, have a, a you have Babe Ruth, Kiner, Falefa that could just take over a shortstop there any day. It, there's so many options. You, you guys, you can go route of you know putting IKF back there for a little bit, putting a Babe Ruth. Right, good call there. That's um, a cool thing. Pitches to do. and hits a home run. Yeah, very yeah. cool. And and I I'll get into IKF in, in a minute, but I I love this year's IKF. He might be my favorite Yankee right now, <laughs> <laughs> not for nothing. But um, yeah, you know they can go different routes. I mean they have they had Peraza who actually I believe is hurt now. They could put Oswaldo Cabrera back there. He's you know he's in a, not a shortstop by trade, but just a just a baseball player. I've always thought he could kind of play any position. Um, Trey Sweeney's down in the minors. That's been hitting the shit out of the ball. Uh, and then obviously, you know, they can go in the, the the bigger route and they can go get someone. I don't have anyone on my trade list that was a shortstop. I, I didn't because I just I don't think they're going to do it. So I didn't want to kind of waste my time with it. But, you know, if they if Volpe does seriously, you know, he continuously look overmatched, 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 you're going to have to do something right. You can't just keep rolling this out and, and you know, hoping it works like they're doing with Donaldson. Um, but. I digress there. I think, you know, it's going to be remain to be seen. The The good thing, the good thing, and I guess the difference between the Yankees and the Mets is that the Yankees are, you know, obviously they're position wise, they're like third, I think now in the division, but being third in the AL East, way different than being third in the NL East. Like it's just the, the record wise, obviously the Yankees are, uh, I don't even, I think they have 40 plus wins and the Mets have, 
like four I think wins. 40 losses. <laughs> but um, uh, as getting back to Hal and some of his comments too, I, one concerning one that I think is kind of an overarching theme with the Yankees here is you know when when Kay asked him about uh, you know the standings. Uh, the Rays, the uh, the Orioles, and like kind of like you know their up upcomings in the last couple in the last year, couple years, he said, and I quote: uh, "If you're in a market, you can struggle year after year for four or five years. There's going to be an advantage eventually. To that, draft picks, draft picks you get, and so on, are ultimately better. They are really smart GMs out there. I'm not saying they are not. Tampa has done a phenomenal job, and the Orioles, we knew they would be great." And like he's right, he's a hundred percent right. You have to commend the Orioles and what they've done. They've they've catapulted themselves into relevancy. Um, the the Rays have you know now we're reaching what this is now the five six years now where the Rays have been a real actual threat to win the World Series. Uh, they and they they just seem to be one step ahead of everyone else. Um, I, what I think is concerning is that you know you there's you don't see any avenue where the Yankees can kind of just take a year and like retool like I don't want to even I'm not even saying tanking I think as long as you have Aaron Judge you're not going to tank he's going to win you he's Aaron Judge will get you to 500 agree or disagree Aaron Judge Garrett See, like, Cole I, get you I to 500. agree and I don't understand why like I understand how transcendent of a player he is and all that how is it how much of it is coincidence and how much of it is just fact that he really like it just doesn't make sense to me that with him they're a contender and without him they might not make the playoffs. I don't understand that. I've never seen that in this sport. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy because, like you know, you you see you see like guys that can, like we said about Chapman just couldn't get it done in New York. Sonny Gray couldn't get it done in New York. Like you know, maybe he's just like that. He just makes everyone at ease because you know he's just the guy that everything revolves around and takes all the pressure off of everyone else. Like when Judge is in the lineup. The whole scouting reports about Judge. You know how are we gonna how are we gonna pitch around Judge? Okay, Rizzo's in front of him now. How are we gonna pitch to Rizzo? Okay, Stanton's behind him now. How are we gonna pitch to Stanton? And so on and so forth. And I think that can be extrapolated out to you know multiple levels of the game. And I think that you know maybe just there's like a not gonna say like emotional, but there's like a mental thing to that too, where like you know now it's like guys like Rizzo and Stanton. You know Stanton, we've seen carry the team, but. You know, when when you got to put actual pedal to the metal here, like maybe you know, in a, in a in a week's notice, I don't know if Stan can really do that anymore. There's a chance that Stan yeah. is you know is not that you know the the player that can carry a team anymore, and Rizzo is not the player that can carry a team anymore. And not not saying that they were brought in to do that, but you're right. It's kind of a strange scenario where you know they it's they they just don't they just aren't the same people. Yeah. People, players, the dugout looks different. You know, even Glaber Torres, right? We, we, I constantly rip on him. He made a silly play the other night where I don't even think he looked at the ball. I'm like, a, it was like first and second, uh, pop up to right, short right field, and he just started running with like one out, and they got doubled off at first to end the inning. Um, yeah, like I, I think there's like a lot of it that goes into it, and I think the only explanation is that he, he, everything just revolves around him, and it's like it's. I don't think it's anyone's like fault per se. But it's just how the team was built, and uh, yeah, is this solution bring in it, bring in Otani, and you know, make the big splash for a guy like that that can kind of uh, even keel the team when Judge is out or if Judge is out. Um, there's there's a contingent of Yankee fans that'll say, you know, okay, well, this is now, you know, majority of Judge's seasons he's hurt at some point, 
So maybe that that it is on Howe because he should have prepared for that in the first place. Um, I can kind of see that. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely weird. And I think that, you know, getting back to Hal's comment, you know, that, that's, that kind of lends to what the, some of the moves they make, you know, they, they felt the need, they needed to get rid of Gary Sanchez. They, they had to, they, they, so what they do to get rid of Gary Sanchez, they, they got their stop gap shortstop, got rid of Gary Sanchez. And the cost of that is now what we see in Josh Donaldson and yep. his soon to be $50 million made on the Yankees if they decide to cut him, yeah. which is crazy. Soon to be like, 50 it, years old too. Yeah. And, and he's, and he's playing like he's a hundred. Yeah. He like he, yesterday he made a play. Uh, I th- I'm not sure if he actually got credited with two errors, but on one play, but it was a, I think it was man on second, a uh, little short chopper to, no, I think it was either man on second or man on first, but short chopper to uh really, really handleable two hopper, to Donaldson fumbles it continues to try and pick it up fumbles it again the runner goes to third and he tries to make this like running throw to Domingo who's also on the run to third base Domingo can't handle it run scores and then it was just a shit show and like you're telling me Donaldson's brought in here for his defense stuff like that can't happen like if you're not hitting you like if you're not hitting and you're hitting you know 150 now almost Donaldson is I don't even know if he's hitting 150 you better be playing like some unbelievable defense, not just good. Like how Steinbrenner will say, you know, we like his defense. He's playing, he's playing well in defense. If you're not hitting, you need to be playing amazing on defense. I don't, you know, you can't be not hitting and playing good defense. You need to be playing amazing defense and not hitting. Yeah. You know, it's, that's kind of how, you know, war works and, and outs above replacement and stuff like that. And all of those numbers are down for Donaldson consistently. And I think that really like, you know, at some point, just like they did with Hicks, and it's crazy that Hicks is now a god on the Orioles. Um, at some point, Donaldson's they're gonna have to bite the bullet on Donaldson. Pay him his money, then you know, ultimately that'll be what, thirty something million dollars down the drain between Hicks and Donaldson this year. That thirty million dollars could have been used for I mean, I don't even want to get look at the guys that signed contracts this year of making less than thirty million a year. Don't even want to look at it because mm-hmm. it, it'll make me sick. But you could have got a start. You could have got another absolute stud starting pitcher for that price. You could have got a, a real third baseman for that price. Shit, you could have got a warm body and right. You could have got three warm bodies in the outfield for that price. And it's it just, it's a shame. And I think that that's where that's where my frustrations are. And I kind of lend that back to, you know, the opportunity cost of having to pay a guy like Donaldson. Um, but and, and then the Yankees, you know, it's just like we said about the Mets. It's not a. It's not really smooth sailing. They play the Rangers. This uh, they start a three game set against the Rangers tonight, which could get ugly because the Rangers. One thing they can do is they can hit the shit out of the ball. Um, luckily enough, though, after the Rangers, the Yankees find a soft spot uh, with the Athletics in Oakland, which you know I could see them only winning two of three there. Oakland's not as feeble as they were a month ago. They're actually you know a a, a real baseball team now. There's still 19 wins, but you, everyone thought they might not win 60. Yeah, it was so, the reverse uh, protest that really did it. Yeah, and and then they play the Cardinals uh, in, uh, I guess, a interleague series. Uh, Orioles, Cubs, you know, the Yankees schedule is, and then the Rockies. The Yankees schedule is, it gets pretty soft in, in the beginning of July. So, you know, if the Yankees lose this series and then they start winning, you know, two of three from the lesser teams, they'll stay in it. And then when Judge gets back, hopefully they start winning in like a 60% clip or so, but... Um, 
Yeah, I, I, it's it's tough, but I think you know the Yankees are looking at this now and they're saying like, you know, we can if we we keep winning if we win every other series and then we get Judge back and then we win t- every two of three series, we're gonna make the playoffs. I think that's really how they they think they think about things. So, uh, you know, they're not sweating. Um, but again, another thing coming up. The trade deadline, and I'd like to definitely give my little wish list here. I, I yeah. have. I wanted to. I wanted me, to bring up one more Yankee point because I just was thinking about this this morning, and I don't like. Okay, I don't know what happened to DJ Lemayu. I think he just. That's de- definitely an interesting one too. I've never seen someone just uh, get old that quickly. And like, would you agree that two years ago, if Judge is out for this period of time, that DJ then is your, you know, de facto like MVP of your team? Right, because I feel like well, he's yes. filled that role before already. Well, he's he's won batting titles in this league, and he just fell off a cliff. Yeah, it's I I agree, and I think you know I said some I said some things on the the solo pod about DJ LeMayu. I kind of went around the diamond and kind of gave. Oh, a I don't I don't listen if I'm not on. Yeah, I know you're not a, not a man of the show, but uh, <laughs> I, I I gave some critique on on about everyone, and my critique on DJ LeMayu was. You know, you're right. I've never seen that before. And the my only explanation, the only time I have ever actually seen something like that is if it's due to an injury. And if you think, you know, I said verbatim that, you know, DJ LeMahieu had two major injuries with, uh, I believe, a toe surgery uh, and a, like a sports hernia slash like core injury or so. Um, like I challenge anyone to field a ground ball with, you know, without using your core and putting minimal effort on your toe. I challenge you. And same same thing with hitting. Those are two major points of your the the hitting anatomy. Like just thinking about thinking about it from no statistics, just a pure baseball stance. That's gotta be tough. And I you know, if if you're gonna point to someone and say that, you know, his career got derailed because of injuries, I, you know, I can't I can't really make other any other excuse for DJ at this point. It's got it has to be that, is kind of what I'm saying. Right. Um yep. but yeah, so DJ's gonna be an interesting one. you know, I don't know. You know, you, there's no way you can just like buy him out. I don't know if maybe he has some trade value. I don't even think they would explore that. I think, I think you just kind of have to hope that he rebounds. And yeah, unfortunately, that's the case for majority of the Yankees right now. Um, but uh, I'd like to present you some of my wish list items for the Yankees. Um, I think sure. I, you know, unless unless the absolute bottom falls out, I'm gonna anticipate them being buyers here, much like they always are. Yep. Um, or, you know, God forbid something happens to judge where, you know, they they miss something and God forbid is out for the rest of the year or so. But I digress. So I'm going to start with uh, my only pitcher on this list, um, and it's Jack Flaherty. And I think that, you know, again, like you said about the Cardinals, uh, he doesn't have the best numbers. He's I think he's pitching like a 4-3 ERA, but I think he would be a great back-end guy. He's got great stuff. Uh, he's on a one-year deal, um, and it just—he's, you know—it just wouldn't cost too much. And I think that he, you know, when he, he was a—I think he was like a number one overall pick. Uh, not that that really means too much in the MLB, but still, the talent is there. I think you know the way the Yankees uh, can utilize some of his pitch mixes with their, you know, what they do with their bullpen uh, and put that or some of their starters. Um, I think it would lend well to a back-end bullpen move. Um, and again, just, I just don't think it would, it would cost much to be honest. Um, have you, have you seen Flaherty pitch at all this year with the Mets? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know he's having a, 
He's having a tough season, but I mean, he, he's a big league pitcher and he'd be a really cheap, quick rental. And, you know, I would have liked to see him pitch last night um, as opposed to Domingo Armand. So, you know, I, I think he's one of those guys that exactly. you, could just, you could just depend on. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't shock me again, the, the talent, if he's a first round pick, the talent is there. He's not that old. He's not like, you know, he's not like late thirties. I think he's maybe 30 years old. Um, but yeah, I think it would be a good, good move and unconfirmed. Is he related to, uh, uh, other Yankee Flaherty? His name is slipping me. I would doubt it. He's not, I, I don't think so, but he could be. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I just saw the last name and you know, it's not a, not a common, common last name. So I was just wondering if common Jace. you think, I mean, it's not Smith, but it's common Jace. Yeah. Okay. Common Jace. Good way to put it. Um, my next player, uh, Met legend, as a matter of fact, uh, JD Davis. I can't hear you. JD Davis. Yeah, there you go. Back JD Davis giants, righty in two eighty this year, uh, plays a little bit of third can play a little bit of first and he can play the outfield a little bit too. Uh, I think, you know, he's maybe not, you know, a gold outfielder Two eighty two this year. Wow. Yeah, and, and the good thing about him, too, you know, I was looking at some of his splits before, while I was making this list, and I think the Yankees like this stuff, but he doesn't have, like, a weakness, right? So, like, he doesn't have a, you know, he's not one of those guys that only hits lefties or not one of those guys that only hits righties and not one of those guys that only hits power. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got an 800 OPS versus lefties and righties uh, in his career. Uh, I And, again, he can play multiple positions. I, I like him. I You know, and just like you know, seeing him with the Mets – uh, and obviously a little bit with the Dodgers, I mean, the, uh, the Giants, um, I've always liked him. I thought he's a good hitter, uh, just a solid player, you know, very, again, can kind of do a little bit of everything. So, yeah. uh, what do you think about that? The one thing I would, and we've seen him play in New York. The one thing I would say about him is I, I don't really know his current, uh, metrics defensively, anything like that, but I know that he was a brutal defender at third base, uh, with the Mets. So if you're going to bring in a JD Davis, I love it. Um, Especially if he's back to hitting, you know, two eighty two. I think he bat three hundred one year. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love the pickup, but I guess what I'm saying is, if if you're grabbing him to kind of be the the Donaldson replacement at third, uh, at least from my memory of JD Davis, he was a piss poor uh, defender at third base. Well, do, did he play? I think he played. Um, he played outfield a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he as played well. some left field he, as well. But uh, yeah, I remember them trying to slot him in at third. And and if he was a good, if he was good at third, that would be the like that would be like the ultimate pickup uh, for the yeah. Yankees. But um, so yeah, and and kind of sticking with third base here, I'll get to my next one. Um, Ryan McMahon, uh, Rockies infielder, first, second, third baseman. Um, I believe he can even play a little bit of outfield. Um, Twenty. 28 years old. Uh, he's got three years left on his deal uh, for about 15 million a year. But uh, he's a lefty in Yankee Stadium. Can play every infield position. And uh, you know the money it might be a lot. You know paying a guy like that uh, again, only 28 years old. So would be a not only a this year rental, but would be a very future option for the Yankees. But uh, you you stick him in the in into this the middle of this lineup. He's got 12 home runs with a 270 average right now in uh Colorado you, you obviously Colorado number is a little bit inflated but you put him on the Yankees as a lefty in Yankee Stadium and I think the power numbers will stay um and, and again he's younger 
the Rockies aren't uh, the Rockies aren't really too much aren't really into it too much in, in the in the race really much. They're not really too relevant. Yeah. Um, I think they kind of want to stick with Chris Bryant as like their their guy there, but uh, I don't know if you've seen him at all. But I, you mm-hmm. know, just looking at some of his numbers, I like it. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned that you had uh, Jock Peterson on there. Um, I, I actually like Ryan McMahon better. Uh, I think that's a better yeah. fit. I think he's younger. I think he plays more. And um, yeah, I mean, he hits for a much better average. You know, I, I like that one a lot. I didn't think of that one, and um, yeah, yeah, he'll he'll thing. definitely be one that's in the in the hunt for. I would presume a lot of teams. Uh, he, he's having a, he's having a good season this year. Um, trying to pull up some of his numbers right now, but uh, yeah, he's hitting 270 this year with an 850 OPS. Uh, you know, fine by me. Uh, last year he you know he's he's like a 250 hitter lifetime, hitting a little bit above now. But again, he's only 28. You know, we could find that two years from now he's a 300 hitter. Yeah, if he consistently keeps going up. So um, and again, it would be I think he's got. Uh, he signed through 2027, and it's, he signed a six-year, $70 million deal. So what does that mean? There's like three more years after this year for about uh, probably if there's, let's say, you know, 12 a year or 11 a year, $40 million, $30 million left on that deal. Could easily offset that money with like a Donaldson trade a little bit, a uh, couple prospects. I think it would be a, a good move for the Yankees. And again, uh, you'll you'll notice the theme here, my, my guys I, I want, but uh, I'm a big proponent of lefties in Yankee Stadium, especially if they can play the lefty infielders at Yankee Stadium. Give me them all. Um, next guy, uh, they've they've flirted with in the past, um, and I think that uh, as a Met fan, he, I, I, I would I, some of me kind of thinks that he's a, a Met killer, but I'm, I don't really have any numbers to back that. Ian Happ. Uh, Second base, third base, outfield for the Cubs. Majority outfield, but has some games in the infield too. 28 years old, 800 OPS. Um, he's a switch hitter. Uh, they've they've had contact and they've spoken with the Cubs about him in the past. He was a big chip last year at the trade deadline and they decided to uh, hold, hold on to him. Um, he's on a little bit of a heavier deal, but not as much. Uh, 22 million till 2026. Um, so... Again, it would be more of a an investment, more so than a rental uh, on that front. But again, switch hitter with that again doesn't have a weakness, can play multiple positions, and you know, I again with the contract and the way the Cubs are, it might take you a you know a Donaldson and a couple prospects to get him. And I you know not not necessarily like a Dominguez either. You know, we're talking like you know Donaldson and and Peraza or Donaldson and a Trey Sweeney or you know someone. One of your, I guess, B B plus level prospects paired with uh, some sort of buyout contract kind of thing. Uh, I wouldn't hate that either. And I think that uh, have you have you seen um, Ian Happ at all? Any any thoughts on on Ian Happ with the Cubs? Yeah, He's been a Cub for a while. Familiar. Last year, uh, first season as uh, an All Star. Um, he hover, yeah. hovers around twenty ish home runs. I think in Yankee Stadium, you bump that up to twenty five, almost thirty. Uh, yeah, hovers around two fifty to two seventy. Um, no, I mean, a, a, more than serviceable, and uh, I like that one as well. And I'm gonna. So I got. I have one more guy that I, I really kind of delved into here, and I'm gonna do the same thing you did, but I'm gonna mention two of my honorable mentions. Um, one being Jock Peterson. Um, again, we just kind of spoke about him with the Mets. The only my only problem with him, and kind of like my a fear as well, is he's such a Yankee. Like the Yankees just love like. DHs. 
they, it's their favorite thing. Like the Willie Calhouns, Giancarlo Stantons, Jake Bowers that are, are hitters and then fielders, not necessarily a mixture of both. That's Jock Peterson. He's a he's a hitter, not a not a left fielder, not in anything else. But I think that they love that so much that it scares me that they they want him. But I wouldn't be mad if they got him. Yeah. Kind of where I'm. He, he also he kind of looks like a Yankee, like in the face. Don't say that. I'm gonna get scared now. All right. Um, the next one, uh, my next honorable mention, uh, Brent Rooker. Um, he is on the Athletics and having an unbelievable season. Uh, as a matter of fact, he is hitting. Well, he's down to 247 right now, but in the beginning of the year, he was hitting. He's got an 820 OPS. If you if you don't really care about average, 13 home runs uh, and 38 RBIs on the Athletics is pretty impressive. Uh, he's an outfielder. Would he? He's he's 28 years old, so not not old, but also not you know a young prospect. Uh, I don't know if the A's really have like a you know a, a really good plan for him per se, but. You know, they. I could see the A's if they're going to sell. He would be a guy to sell. Uh, I think his value is uh, probably at, at the highest it's going to be. Um, and he would just be like a one-year, you know, stopgap. Again, a warm body to play left field that wouldn't cost you that much. So yeah, and I mean, do, doing all that in a lineup with no protection. Yeah, exactly. So you know, imagine you get him. You can put him, you know, six with uh, you know Bader behind him, or you know, something like that, or you know, with, with any kind of good Yankee hitter behind him. Um, the last one I'm going to do, uh, I guess the last little topic we'll cover today or the last, I guess, talking point we'll cover. And I'm going to have you guess my last guy. Uh, I think it's when I say it, you're going to be like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, my hints are that this guy is, has a very, very interesting career trajectory. He's only 27 years old and he has I'll say has won an award or two in the leagues. Won an award or two? Yes. Uh, or three or four. Or uh, I think it's two actually. I'm not sure if there's anything other. Is it okay, so I know it's a position player because he only had one pitcher on there. Yep. Give me a league. National. Hmm. When I, I think when I say it, you're gonna you're like a light bulb's gonna come on over your head. Um, and I think you're also going to say, wow, this guy's definitely a Yankee. You know, for a second, I thought just to ruffle me, this was going to be McNeil. And no, no, no I Mets. I didn't realize that he's 31. Yeah, no. Um, and also, has he won anything? Did he win the batting title? Yeah, that, that's what that's what made me think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, think a bigger award, in my opinion. Oh, well, I mean, definitely. Chris Bryant? No. No, he's definitely not 27 years old. Um, lefty. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's my last hint. No, give me one more. And then, and if I don't get it, I'll tap out. Cause I'm not, I don't even know where uh, to go. He, well, he's on a one year deal and there was a lot of like questions around why he signed a one year deal this year. Um, maybe not why, but like may, many people thought he could have gotten like a longer deal. See that that's familiar to me. And now I'm, and I can't remember who that was. Let me know when you tap out. All right, give me two seconds. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take all day. Um. Do, 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 do. 
like uh, I don't know because I, I keep having guys and then I'm like oh no they're definitely not 27 years old I was gonna say like j- just give me give me who it uh give me who it is so the former MVP and former rookie of the year Cody Bellinger um I think yeah. that he would be an unbelievable fit for the Yankees for multiple reasons one I think that Again, going to get a little nerdy, but the swing path is such a Yankee Stadium swing. He's a lefty that can play the outfield, That just an athlete, plays first base if you want to give Rizzo a day off. Uh, he's got an 820 OPS. He's on a one-year deal on a shit team. Uh, to me, it's like it is so obviously a great move for the Yankees, so low risk, so high reward. Like you, To bring in a former MVP – to this lineup. And, you know, you could say what you want about him, you know, is how maybe that was a fluke and maybe, you know, this happened, that happened. But I was stunned when they only signed a one-year deal. I was stunned when the Yankees didn't sign him in the off season. And I think now that, you know, the, the Cubs are kind of uh, in, in a position where they're, you know, they're looking to, to sell off some pieces, your boy Stroman included, possibly. Um, I think that Bellinger would be an unbelievable fit in the Yankees order. And I think that it's so obvious. And I, you know, any team that gets him, I think we'll be getting a steal, essentially. I agree. I just I can't think of anyone who would have a worse reception if not doing well. Well, I mean, but he's like he's not Joey Gallo, though. No, I think they would hate him more. Really? He's just such a hateable dude. I mean, so is Clint Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, I mean, to you, yeah. To me, yeah. I mean, he's he's Bellinger. I guess the, the, the reason why the Yankees probably stayed away. Um, he, you know, 210 last year, 165 the year before. But, you know, to me, you know, his first couple of years, you know, he's got three amazing years and, and like two bad years. And now he's kind of like if he's somewhere in the middle there and can play first base as a lefty and an outfielder, I, you know, I would I think that's and again, he's on a one year deal. The Cubs won't be asking for the moon and the stars. They'll be asking for, uh, you know. A, a handful of shit prospects just for a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, I think it would be a home run. You know, I think again, get me all the lefties in Yankee saying that you can pretty much. And, and Bellinger, I love his swing. I, I'm on the opposite side of that. I, I'm a kind of guy where I've watched Bellinger play on the Dodgers. I've watched him play, uh, you know, handful of times on the, the Cubs. And I, I just like the way he plays the game. Uh, I, you know, yeah. strikeouts, whatever. I'm over that. But consistently in like a 700, 800 OPS, um, you know, he's almost at 800 now. Uh, wouldn't If he goes to the Yankees, you could predict those power numbers go up a little bit. Um, I, I would be a huge proponent of it. But I'm not the the GM of the Yankees, so I don't make those moves. Um, but good hopefully formula, they though. can pull some strings. Three, yeah, three, right? uh, three lefties with pop, an arm, and then uh, J.D. Davis. You see, and J.D. Davis. And, uh, and Jack Flaherty, who is related to a former Yankee, Jace. <laughs> but, um, all right. Uh, anything else you want to add to uh, either Yankees or Mets misery or Knicks or psychedelics? I'm good. No? Okay. That's the title of the podcast, by the way. It's Yankee Met Misery and Psychedelics. That's what I'm going to do. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, appreciate it always. Uh, we'll be back probably sometime next week. Hopefully to talk about some some better news in the baseball world and maybe the Knicks make a big move uh, or two or, you know, hopefully no more misery. Let's just put it that way. So as always, thank you and peace out.